G'day and welcome to another instalment of the Fly Fishers podcast. Since 1967, we've been spreading the bug of fly fishing at our Melbourne fly shop. Join us as we celebrate the fun of fly fishing and chat with characters that enjoy it as much as we do. Whether you're just starting out or have some experience, we hope our ego-free commentary helps demystify fly fishing and inspires you to visit new places and try new techniques. Welcome to a new series where we chat with some special friends of the fly fisher. Many of the people we come across here in the shop have fascinating stories to tell, and so we wanted to share them. These people have an addiction to fly fishing that matches our own. They live and breathe it, and of course, they can catch fish. In this first episode, we're joined by Harrison Perrin. Harrison has enjoyed the kind of fly fishing experience one could only dream of. He's only young, but has travelled the world and thoroughly explored Aussie waters as well. Harrison is an expert at spreading the fly fishing addiction, and he's loved teaching his mates and seeing them go off and find their own success and enjoyment in fly fishing. Harrison, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Andrew. (laughs) Uh, Great to finally get you here, mate. You've been uh, very busy gallivanting around the world. Yeah, no, I've been quite lucky. Uh, Yeah. 28 and get long service leave from work, so... What better thing to do than go fishing? 28 and long service leave. Geez, so you've only had one job? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. The only other job I actually even had was in fly fishing back yep. in Canada. So yep. We're going to get into that a bit more uh, at some point. But um, let's, uh, let's just start. I want to go back to grassroots stuff. When did you start fly fishing? So started back in 2005 on a family vacation to Canada, funnily enough. And um, had been bugging mum with my brother to let us go fishing. Eventually, she relented and led us to book a guided trip. Um, it was early January, probably about negative 10 degrees and snowing. But my brother and I were so keen that we just didn't saw through all of that and just fished. From that oh. blank point on, we bought gear and started fishing back in Queensland and really working at it on brim and flathead and bass. And then until I moved down south, yeah. I started in Melbourne. So that was a holiday in, in Canada, was it? Or Yeah, just yeah. a family ski holiday that... Then over the years, we'd go to ski and there'd always be an additional day every year fishing. So I think by the time I was what, almost 18, it was like five days fishing and five days skiing. Yeah. Um, was the fishing a part of your family at that point or was the skiing more the, the, the thing that you did as far as like travel and holidays are concerned? No. So fishing's always been a big part of my family, but no one had ever fly fished before. Right. Prior to my brother and I. So fishing had always been there and always fished, but we'd always been interested in fly fishing, but just no one had ever been able to show us how to do it. Yeah. And once we had that opportunity, we just took it and ran. So just the proximity to guides and good fishing over there, that was really what precipitated the whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah, wow. Um, But that, you know, like what I'm picking up straight away is that freshwater uh, origin for you in fly fishing, but you – did, it, did you immediately translate that to some saltwater opportunities that you might have had closer to home? Yeah, absolutely. Like growing up on the Gold Coast where I did, um, there's very, very few freshwater fishing opportunities. It's really bass. Yeah. Unless you want to drive a few hours south. And when you're 11 years old, you don't have your driver's licence to drive down to New South Wales. So yeah. for us it was yeah, going and getting stuck in the brim. And unashamedly, the most of my brim fishing as a kid was burling them up with bread and then a little deer hair bread fly great just throw it out amongst it all and they eat it like a little dry yeah trout set on them strip set on them until we worked out what worked yeah 
still never worked out what worked. It just at the end of the day, if they ate it, they ate it. Yeah. How good is that bread and butter stuff when you're starting out? Peter, do you remember, like, maybe even your first, like, visual fishing experience? Yeah. Conventional? Yeah. Or conventional. Yeah. Any, oh, anything, like, you yeah. know, like... I mean, sight fishing is such a big part of fly fishing and I think that's what draws a lot of people to it. So garfish fishing for me was the 100%. OG sight fishing, yeah, yeah, seeing yeah. a school eat bait at yep. the back of the boat. Squid behind a squid jig, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's just yeah. so visual, isn't it? Um, so Queensland, you finished your schooling in in the Gold Coast? Yeah, finished high school in Queensland yep. um, and then was actually lucky enough on those trips to Canada over the years, the guy who ran the fly shop named Brian Niska. Yep. Actually offered me a job when I was sixteen to say, "When you finish school, come over here and you can work in our shop." Shit, um, we missed an opportunity there, didn't we? We should have offered him a job at that point. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we could have kept him in Melbourne. No. The steelhead fishing here might not have been quite as good, but yeah, a little bit different. Yeah, but yeah, no. So went over there for twelve months, um, worked with him and the the great guide staff over there, and terrific, yeah, mate. Yeah, so lucky to be sort of mentored as a young kid knowing that I was always going to go back to Australia. So everyone was generally a little bit more free to share their knowledge, knowing that it wasn't going to get passed to anyone else. Wow. So you got to learn a little bit extra than what a lot of other people would. Did you think that that guiding in – oh, working at the fly shop in Canada, sorry, has helped shape your fly fishing now a lot? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's sort of – the way people fly fish in Canada is, for me is a really social element. So for when I moved – to Melbourne then to begin university after my year in Canada, I didn't have anyone to fish with. So that's what it came back to is, okay, I need to start taking some guys I've met at uni, in class, at college, fishing, because yeah. I need someone to go with. Because yeah. that's what you do in Canada. It's, you go swings flies for steelhead or salmon or go fish for trout and there's someone with you. And to not have that down here when I moved down, I was like, well, let's go and create that myself. Yeah. So that's what I ended up doing. Mate, that's awesome. Kind of selfish though, isn't it? Because you were doing it for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I think we can all relate to that. You know, uh, uh, yeah, when you're a kid, if you're fishing ad addicted, uh, inevitably you're going to spread that to your schoolmates that don't fish. Um, but then, you know, you've obviously got that to a bit of a fine art with some of your mates that have gotten right into it and you've seen them go on and, and, and get keen in their own right. Um what is the, the technique there? What do you think is the best way to kind of get them into it? For me, it's just about like having fun. So not everyone's going to be really intense on going, okay, I want to hike right up into the middle of the backcountry or right up this stream, get cut up by blackberries. It's what's going to suit that, mate. Do they yep. want to go and have a leisurely day wandering a stream that's not too far from Melbourne and then have a few schooners on the way home? Great. And it's that process there. Or are they a bit nuts like me and want to go and just walk as far as possible until they find something that's exciting or they want to see a wombat or a snake or, or whatever sort of brings you there and brings that bit of joy that's on top of the fishing alone. Yeah, sure. So do you think a, a bit like pointing out all the other stuff that's going on around you outside the fishing is important to get them engaged with it? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Like, I think a big part of it too then comes back to you know, to good fishing, and for me, dry fly fishing. I think that's pretty hard to beat. So, a lot of my mates, I won't start them fly fishing until December, January, Feb time. Yeah. So they're fishing a single dry fly, generally a hopper, because a bad presentation, slapping it down, that's actually going to work. It's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> that's what you want to do. Um, yeah. So I don't bother with them in September or late season 
get them where the fish are active. They're a little bit more silly. Good, mate. And the casting, you, you know, how do you go about teaching them to cast, do you think? Is that a, a technique that you've used there? Or is it just roll casting or what do you do? I think I've always said that I'll take a mate out for a cast before we go fishing. Still yet to do that because you'd rather just do it on the water. Mm. Um, definitely start with some sort of a roll cast, but really small streams are quite easy. You don't need them to cast a long line or really accurately and regularly turn over that fly. So for me, it's just, okay, what's the, what's the basics? You just you, you old stop high, just get that nice line control and momentum and avoid slack. Yeah. For me, it's just I'm always re- drilling into my mates, avoid slack, avoid slack. So don't come too early on that forward cast before your back cast has rolled out. So yeah. just, just a simple, small cast. That's good. Avoid slack. That's amazing. That's just that's so that, easy for someone just, to understand. Isn't you've it? broken casting instructors now. I don't feel like that's the case because my casting is nowhere near where it needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't matter as much, does it? You know, like to get people having success early is what we're talking about here. And that tip I think is just gold, you know, that and anyone can use that, which is good. Um, one of the things I'm picking up here is you're, uh, you're already a very rounded fly fisher. You've done saltwater, you've done northeast small streams, you've done steelhead fishing. Um, why, uh, what do you think it is in you that makes you such a rounded fly fisher and why, do you, why are you so in love with all aspects of fly fishing? Like I wouldn't say I'm rounded as much as I'd like to be. Um, I've been in Melbourne now for almost 10 years and only managed to get those sort of saltwater trips as much as I'd like, but still been fortunate to do a lot more than I think some people have. Yeah. Um, I think what enjoys gives me so much more enjoyment is I kind of get bored of just once you work out one part of it, it's what's there's different and what can I do to push myself, be that mentally trying to work something out that's new or is it trying to figure out some tide cycles somewhere on up north or is it sitting on google maps down in victoria going i wonder if this has fish in it yeah and then it's that sort of excitement of trying to test a theory that i've come up with maybe sidetracked at work one day (laughs) and actually do that in person be that a week later or six months later because i've thought that idea through yeah um so just always hungry for something new in fly fishing yeah i think i think that's really what it comes down to for me yeah good mate um, anything that's like on the, that, that you can think of right now that's actually really got you thirsty in fly fishing? For me, it's it's probably going to go walk into a few different streams around Australia this summer. I yeah. missed that last summer because I was away for most of the time. So let's let's go get stuck into it this summer before hopefully it gets too hot. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So home for you now is where? Currently in Victoria, in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, and Beechworth. Yep, uh, spend a bit of time out in Beechworth as well too. Just um, yep. got some friends living out there, so I've moved in with them um, and able to go and explore a few rivers there, but still have to come back into Melbourne for work and have a yep. place in here Good as well. well. Nice. Um, so the um, w- it, let's talk a little bit more about some of your saltwater experience because I know things like uh, well, that far north Queensland coast, you've spent a fair bit of time up there, no? Not far north Queensland. Yeah. Um, most of the time's been up around Darwin, fishing right. in the NT. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lot fishing, little creeks and all the great estuary fishing around the Gold Coast growing up as a kid. But yeah, it was really fortunate growing up and throughout the last really 10 years since I finished school, um, going to the NT regularly, if not once, maybe twice a year. Awesome. And, and for me, that's 
pretty much all saltwater fly fishing. And your your trips that you've done up there to me uh, seem on the more rugged side. You know, you, you've had some a bit of adventure up there, um, working a lot of it out on your own, I presume. Yeah, a lot of it's DIY there. Um, I think when we were kids, we did a, a week on Melville Island there, but that's about 15 years ago now. Um, and the rest of it's just been fishing with my dad and brother with a few family friends that live up there and exploring and it's morphed into going up there with mates who live down south as well and exploring and seeing other places, towing a boat out and living in tents for a week in um, the build-up where you're essentially not – you're sleeping in underwear – and just sweating all night but you just wake up and grind for about two weeks straight and you you sleep when you once you get back yeah mate it's out like you you indicated before that you feel that you're not a a very rounded fly fisher but at the same time you've probably had more experience than 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 most people your age but um i guess do you think everyone has that feeling like i don't fish enough i feel like everyone Definitely probably gets to a point where they're like, I'd like to fish more. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's really like, what more do you want to learn in my mind? is if I could, sure, you could keep fishing every small stream in Victoria, but for me at least, I'd get bored to a point. I'm like, what's what's different? I've worked out what's over that hill, what's in that creek, where's, what's it like in New South Wales or what's it like somewhere in New Zealand? Yeah. Um, and really learning that for myself as much as I can. Good, mate. That's great. Shit. Um, but let's, you know, uh, obviously you have just returned from the adventure of a lifetime, so um, we want to hear more about that. Um, we've obviously been keeping up to date with what you've written at flystream.com and some, some great little pieces there, but your trip uh, was, was quite a bit more than, than what was in the pages there. Um, so where did it all start? Let, let's uh, Tell us about the trip and the planning, the lead up to that trip. Yeah, so, um, yeah, like I sort of said earlier, I was lucky enough to accrue enough long service and annual leave to go and take six months off work. Um, and for me, it was where else in the world do I want to go and fish before I really start taking a career more seriously than I am currently, um, where you don't have that flexibility essentially anymore to be able to go off and take six months away from your job and still expect to come back to something. So I came back with that approach and went okay where, where am I going to go what do I want to do what do I want to see that's new where are places that I've already been that I want to go back to so for me the best starting point there has got to be New Zealand mm. um, all prior fishing trips in New Zealand had always been rained out bad weather would come back home a mate would still be over there he'd catch all the great weather and obviously the great fish after a big dump of rain and would just feedback stories i'm just thinking oh, have i missed this again so <laughs> so you are unlucky a bit in those trips always unlucky in those yeah. new zealand trips yeah. it just seemed like i think one year we were there the day i left to fly from melbourne over to christchurch the cyclone had just passed everything was chocolate milk we had like two sunny days and then just two weeks straight of rain yeah and that's just what it was so i'd always felt unlucky so i'm like okay well let's start this trip in new zealand because it's a good launching point off from there and that's a place where I really wanted to go and live that trout bum experience the best I could yep. um, so I was like four weeks surely in four weeks in New Zealand I could get one week of good weather uh, it turned out that I had almost four weeks of good weather wow. um, due to probably a little bit more drought like conditions but still you got to work what, with what you get yep. and better that than um, pouring rain and you're stuck in a cabin all day yeah so where were you for the majority of your trip spent most of it on the South Island, yeah, um, exploring around there, hiking again with two different mates that again 
taught to fly fish. Um, both of them had never fly fished until I'd taken them out. One mate, Charlie, who grew up in uh, northwestern Victoria, cod fisherman, got him into fly fishing now. He's bought all his gear here at the fly fisher and gets out after it himself, which is so cool to then bring him to New Zealand and be like, hey, this is what I've been telling you about for ages. You're going to see trout here that are bigger than anything you could ever imagine catching back home. <laughs> yep. And after, I think, the first day, he just said to me, I, I can't believe this. Yeah. Like, it's exactly like what you said. There's big trout. You can sight fish them. They come up and eat a dry fly. Like, it doesn't get any better. Yeah. And for someone that grew up in north western Victoria, dirty rivers, cod, bait, to sight fish a fish and watch it come up and eat a dry fly is just out so exciting and outstanding for him. And rewarding for you too, right? Oh, like, it's so cool. Like, to take a photo of that and then him to be able to pass that on to his family and his family who have never fly fished themselves are excited and acknowledging how cool that is. Yeah. And then had my other mate, Benny, um, who actually is from Darwin, who I taught to saltwater fly fish first, so the opposite of all my other mates. So his first fish on fly was a threadfin salmon. Yeah, which amazing. Is, which is just Jeez. weird <laughs> that he sight fished on a popper fly. Like, yeah, it's cool. just, just different. So... From New Zealand, and he, he worked it out so quick. Like he'd never he'd fly fish for trout one day in his life. Yeah, and then we were stuck into I think his best day. I think he landed like ten rainbows on dries. Yes. Not that we were counting them, but <laughs> that always <laughs> surprises me how well saltwater fly fishers cross over to trout fishing. Like because it is so different. You, it, to me, it, it it surprises me. Maybe it's just the casting of bigger flies that prepares them quite well for. Dealing with wind and long leaders or I don't know. But, yeah, he obviously took to it like a duck to water, eh? I think his main issue was he tried to set on everything like it was a barramundi. Right. So there was a fair few – there's probably still a few fish swimming around the South Island with flies in their mouths. <laughs> so there's, there's a good donation going on. But, yeah, I think in terms of the casting, absolutely. Like I think there's just an expectation that you have to cast further yeah. and you have to be able to deal with a few more elements rather than someone who's just grown up fishing small streams. Yeah, and it actually, it probably crosses over well to New Zealand in the sense that you're casting at a target too, like you are, you know, up north. It, it, yeah, polaroided fish and, and actually getting the fly where it needs to be yep. is such a big part of that style of fishing, isn't it? And that pressure too, like that you can see the fish and you need to be able to calm yourself down rather yep. than worrying and freaking out that, oh, there's a fish here and you start getting the shakes and yep. that all happens. I think being used to that helps then once you get to New Zealand rather than coming and blind fishing. Yeah. Wicked. Um, wow, month that was all spent in the South Island while you were there? Yeah, um, mostly in the South Island. Managed to get a few days up on the North Island, but that was just after that cyclone had passed through Yeah, the top of the North Island. But oh, again, yeah, that yeah that was severe, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah that was not good. Yeah. yeah. But we were on the South Island, thank bottom of the South Island when that passed through, and it was, funnily enough, it was crystal clear, blue sky days. North Island was getting absolutely pounded by the cyclone, so... Mm. By the time I got up there, it was, was past. Mm. But yeah, definitely a lot of... What month was this? Uh, Feb and March. Yeah. Wicked. Yeah. Good. So from New Zealand, you flew to where, mate? I uh, got managed to get the direct flight out of Auckland straight to Vancouver. Mm. So back to go Canada again, see a lot of my old friends that I hadn't seen since, or well, for about six years. Had a trip that I was meant to do in 2020. We all know what happened then. So COVID <laughs> rolled a fishing trip, sadly. So few extra years passed and managed to get over and see some friends and um they're all still guides still work in the fishing industry so really lucky in the sense that you get to hit the ground running with a bit of local information but also a lot of friends that are willing to put you up um yeah in their house drive you to go fishing go skiing with you 
um, go hang out, drink a beer. So you just instantly, it felt like I'd never left essentially. Amazing, mate. What a, yeah, what a, what a great, um, almost like an, an asset in, in, in the sense that you, you obviously got value out of it when you were there immersed in it for a year but it, it keeps paying dividends those connections that you made during that time yeah and it's amazing and there's a lot of people that i know through canada that i've then met someone else from in another location so i'll just segue here um one of my good mates that i met in canada is another australian fella mm. called patty um essentially we got introduced because we were in the, had the same friendship circle and it was like well you're both australian so you're going to be mates Essentially, that was their matchmaking process. You're from the same country, you must get along. So yeah. we ended up fishing together a bunch when I lived over there um, to the point where we became one of my best mates now. I actually went to his wedding this year in Hawaii. So I flew from Canada to Hawaii <laughs> to go to his wedding for a week. Yeah. And obviously, as a fly fisher as well, um, a bucks party has to involve some form of fly fishing. <laughs> so we actually got a guide, Captain Chris, and went – out in the flats for a day, two days before his wedding, and to try catch some big bone fish in Oahu. Amazing. Um, but again, we dressed him up in a pink tutu, a pink pirate costume with a hat and all, because it's still a Bucks party. <laughs> yeah. And definitely drank a few beers that day. But <laughs> to Paddy's credit, took it like a champ and still caught a 10 pound bone fish. Holy shit. That's amazing. Yeah. What a way to spend it. Like he'll remember that forever, won't yeah. he? That's the ultimate Bucks day. I feel hard <laughs> done by. <laughs> yeah. The races just isn't the same. <laughs> I'm just picturing a guy with a 10-pound bone fish wearing a tutu. <laughs> oh, I'll show I you the photo after yeah, this. Yeah, I think I've seen it. I think it's on your Instagram, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I hope it is. If it's not, we'll, we'll get it put up there. <laughs> uh, cool, mate. So how many days did you have in, in Hawaii? Uh, just the seven days. Yeah. Um, but one day fishing and like a half day fishing where yeah. we both all blew a few more shots at some 10-pound fish and – um, good. Yeah, th- that's a fish I want to get back to. And a sure. good wedding. Oh, great wedding. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the, <laughs> it's about more than the fishing, right? Yeah, that's yeah. it. The, the, the memory of the wedding starts deteriorating as the night goes on, but yeah, that's that's a sign <laughs> of a good time, I think. Absolutely, uh, good mate. Um, so flew from there to where? Went back to Canada for a few more weeks. Um, again, like if you're in British Columbia, the skiing's outstanding too. So fit in a few days skiing. Still back to that sort of family holiday roots there. Um, did a few more days steelhead fishing and then ended up heading through the US for a bit of a mission. So went and saw old uh, Gus Lappin, old yep. Manic Tackle alumni. Good. How so, is Gus? Oh, he's an absolute legend. Isn't like, he? That, that's, he's an absolute genuinely ripper bloke. Yeah. Like we had so much fun. The fishing was super tough, chasing redfish in Charleston. Did you get any? No. 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 Got one eat, just totally farmed it. Right? <laughs> So they, they genuinely had lockjaw. Like you'd you'd feed them as good as you think, and then they just wouldn't have a bar of it. So whatever was happening, but at the end of the day, like I can't wait to go back to Charleston. Yeah, it was so much fun. Gus is a legend. Yeah, good. Like mate. it's a really cool spot. Like just outside of fishing, the yeah. food's awesome. The people are really cool. The yeah, town's got a nice vibe. So yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. He's got his own skiff there and everything. Got and his own awesome skiff. Yeah, like uh, hopefully it's still in one piece after all the gravel bars and. He's telling events. people that he built it himself, but he had a bit of a hand, didn't he? Didn't well, he have a spear or something, build it, you know? Yeah, but I think someone important probably uh, helped yeah. him out. But, he'll, you know, 
Uh, I'm sorry, you know, put the last nail in. <laughs> uh, this sounds like something put I the rod holders on. <laughs> I'm trying to give Gus a hard time here, but, you know, you're just, you're just being too kind. Anyway, I'm, I hope he does listen yeah. to this. One thing I will say is I'm blaming it in on him that I missed one of my flights, the only flight I missed all trip. The, the two of us went out um, and went to a, like a music night, and I think I don't know, 5, 20 a.m. flight. I think we closed down the pub that night and left the pub at 1 a.m. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, thinking I was going to make my flight the next day, but yeah, totally missed it. Oh, no. Yeah, I think Gus owes me a beer for that one. <laughs> he certainly does, mate. Um, where did you stay while you were there? Uh, just, it's just easy. Just get an Airbnb mm. wherever you go. and Yeah, we could. But then from Charleston, um, a mate through, again, through the sort of broader connections of fly fishing that mm. lives... Um, in Virginia that I'd met a few years earlier in New Zealand on a few occasions. Um, big big country is his name, Ben West. Um, <laughs> and Virginia is kind of like a random location anyone would think about fly fishing. I think anyone like yeah, Andrew, no, you ever I know nothing of? about it. Yeah. It's got amazing small and largemouth bass fishing. Okay. Um, so he's like, yep, yeah, we'll come up and visit me. We'll hang out. Like I think he was just stoked to have someone from Australia. I don't think anyone from Australia has ever been to his – hometown yeah um but yeah we went and gotten stuck in there and um had some of the most amazing bass fishing so you're just like floating down a river on like a raft as you would think for trout or in like a little one-man canoe um just throwing at snags you're in sight fishing large mouth and small mouth small mouth bass on poppers or streamers like even throwing big game white game changes and watching big small mouth come out and just crush it like mm. at the rod tip I think some of the best days there of fishing I've really ever had. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And you would have That's never thought big, about yeah. it. Yeah. So quite visual fishing to super visual. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm like yeah, like I'm watching really have to feed them. You think about bass being dumb and stupid, mm. not always. Like mm. you sometimes have to really trick them, like make it look make your fly actually animate it like yeah. more than what you'd ever could could imagine. Yeah. Well, they probably see a fair few flies and lures and things too there, would they? They would. Is it a pressured fishery or is it it's pretty... Here and there. I think there was a few places which I'll never mention on this podcast mm. that he may have dropped us in at that don't get, see a lot of attention. Mm. Um, Again, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, mm. exactly. If I was there doing that trip myself, would have never ended up in any of these places. So, But the water's crystal clear. Like yeah. it's you, you can sight fish fish. Um, they'll eat off the top. They'll... Yeah crush a streamer like it's super exciting visual stuff even if you're blind fishing you see the fish come and eat your fly yeah and, it's, and it, in all fairness bass, bass do pull yeah especially smallmouth is it, it isn't it funny how even in this day and age of the, the digital world and information being shared that there are still places like that that aren't noticed they fly under the radar like there are spectacular fisheries that just don't get talked about everywhere yeah, no, like uh, like in, even so after Virginia, I went to Dallas, Texas. There's creeks and like little reservoiry, lakey things right in town. It'd be like fishing in not even Albert Park or Melbourne. It'd be like f- almost fishing in the CBD somewhere. Yeah, and like the Yarra River equivalent, somewhat. Um, and you can sight fish largemouth bass on fly. Unreal. Like just right in the middle of town. Like mm. I'm gonna show you photos later. Like I'm holding up a bass, and there's like the high rises two blocks away. Yeah. Like it's just such a weird thing. And there's some big bass in there, like five yeah. pounders. Yeah. The little popper. Yeah. Just makes no sense. Amazing. So, like, when you, the lead up to this trip, was it pretty much just opening that black book and calling everyone that you know over there trying to, you know, 
get everything in order as to what you were going to do or how did it all? Like a bit of both, to be yeah. honest. So there was like a few places I want to go, yeah. um, a few things I wanted to see. So I sort of had like a bit of like a rough structure of, okay, I want to be here, I want to be there, but then there's these weeks between A and B yeah. that I need to sort of fill in. And that's what I filled in during that time while I was actually on the trip. So while I'm Good. fishing and doing everything, I'm still planning Good. The next part of the trip. So it was loose enough that you could still make some adjustment. Yeah, 100%. So when I was in Canada, I met a fellow over there by the name of Kai, um, who's a very, very good skier. Um, Mm -hmm. And I got talking to him and he was like, well, I want to go saltwater fishing sometime later this year in mid-spring. And I'm like, well, I don't know where I'm going to be. I'll let you know. And he's like, oh, I really want to go to Mexico again. I went last year. I'm like, oh, like I'd like to go to Mexico. A month went past and I said, hey, I think I'll go. Like, wh- what do you think? So we ended up planning and doing a two-week trip through Mexico together, <laughs> fly fishing. Great. So it went up to Isla Holbosch and I don't know if anyone's been there, but it's like it, it's amazing. Like baby tarpon fishing, so much fun. There's the big oceanside tarpon. You're fishing a bit sort of more blind for them, but yep. in the little creek sight fishing. But the town itself at night is so much fun. Like Peter, something you'd probably enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that, Harrison? Oh, it's not that type He's of podcast, single. is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but is it like a younger crew that are, are generally there, or that's the sort of crowd that it, that place attracts? Yeah, I think there's there's obviously the really big tourist crowd that happens to go there, but mm-hmm. there's also that small fishing crowd. So you can sort of live that like almost double life where you can go and have amazing fishing from 6am to 2pm, have your siesta and then have a little bit more fun in the nightlife afterwards. Wow. And it's just, a, it's just a cool blend there that you're not actually having to like take bad fishing to go and or less than fishing to go and have that other experience. And yeah. the food's outstanding. Like, so, uh, um, excuse my ignorance here, where is Holbosch? So if you look, think about like yeah, Cancun in yep. Mexico on the Caribbean side. Yep. It's sort of north west of okay. Cancun. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, the opposite direction to Belize, basically. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a fly wow. fishing trips uh, sort of due to be funded. Yeah, Christmas present. Uh, yeah. Christmas what do we call it? Christmas party. Christmas right. bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas bonus. <laughs> Rather than uh, a couple of nights of marriage jig, we'll go there. <laughs> <laughs> Might be harder to organise. Yeah. You'll sure. get a jet though, right, Andrew? <laughs> the Learjet. Private. Yeah. Fire up the Learjet. The, the PJ. <laughs> <laughs> Private jet. Um, um, yeah, wow. That that does sound like an incredible fishery, mate. Bone, bonefish there as well? There's bonefish and permit as well. Yeah. Um, but we spent most of our time. So not, not huge expanses of flats? It's more... Definitely has a lot of flats. Yeah. Like they, we really could have gone after the permit, I think, if we wanted. Like they've been having a really good season there. But... Um, we were always planning to go to Ishkalak, which is the very well-known permit destination in Mexico as well. Right. So we already had just over two weeks planned to go, just under just over a week to plan to go there. Yep. So we were like, well, let's focus on tarpon here because this is what Holbosch is known for. And then let's go focus on permit when we go to Ishkalak. So and, and Ishkalak is where? Um, right on the Belize border, so the opposite direction. S- south of Cancun. South of Cancun. Okay. Yeah. Wicked. So got stuck in debt all the fishing down there it was just amazing like, yeah so much fun like it actually has a bit of everything like kai got a grand slam for the second year in a row 
and Shit. and we're still at the end of the day we're sharing the fishing. Like we both caught a permit that day. We both caught a bonefish. Amazing. And then Kaidish happened to also get a tarpon. Like yeah. it's it's that sort of a place. And is is this a fishing lodge or is this more a, a like a, a place you can stay wherever you like and just get a guide for the day? You can do both. Yeah. Like absolutely. We were really lucky through some of Kai's mates that we um we got into a lodge where it was sort of pretty already pretty full. Yeah. Um, so we got a few days in there um, and we got some guided days as well. But for the most part, we were DIY fishing on stand-up paddle boards, which you, is... Did you get a permit off a stand-up paddle board? I had some good shots and just did not get any eggs. Oh, man. Oh. Imagine. Can you imagine accomplishing that? That is like next level. Yeah. That's like, hardcore. Yeah. Like I, there's this one fish that I just watched swim around for ages. It was actually the first permit I saw all trip up close. Probably looked at it for five minutes and just kept fishing to it. And it just, just kept doing its thing. Showed no interest in my flies. Yeah. Just like what you'd expect. What you'd expect but, a permit to do. Yeah. Bastards. Yeah. You did well not to spook it for five minutes. I think, I wonder if it just knew I was there or yeah. just sort of giving me the middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, permit. We love you. Um, so, Ishkalak? Ishkalak, yeah. Ishkalak. From there, where'd you get to? So from there, oh, I'm trying to even think what I did now. Oh, I did some uh, trips up through Kentucky and Tennessee. That was more of a drinking adventure, <laughs> drinking all the bourbon I could yeah. in the world. Um, partial to a bourbon? Just <laughs> partial to a drink, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Who isn't though? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it did all that, to the no fishing related there, but then ended up, at the end of the day, you're on that side of America, go to New York. Had never been before, wanted to go. But what I decided was, well, if I'm going to go, I'm still going to go try work out where to fish. Spent a bit of research there and through sort of a second degree contact in Canada, got put in contact with this guy, um, Brian, Captain Brian, mm. who took me fishing um, up in Montauk. Right. Um, the story actually about how I got to Montauk that day is kind of wrong. <laughs> um, I just fi- figured after a lot of my travel, oh, I'll just be able to get like a train there. It'll be no worries. Be nice and easy not realising that by train Montauk's about four hours north of New York City. Yeah. And then realising, okay, well, I need to meet this guy at like sort of about 7am in the morning. How am I going to get there? So what it turned out was I ended up getting a train leaving New York at about, what was it, 11.30pm. Oh, <laughs> had to change a few trains with fishing gear on, dressed to fishing the next day. And then ended up getting on the train to Montauk, got to Montauk in the dark at like 4am. And I was like, well, this Montauk's a pretty like safe, ritzy area of New York State, a lot of like, big wealthy homes around. I'm like, well, if there's anywhere in, in the world that I can sleep on a park bench, this is the place. <laughs> so like at, outside the train station, slept on the bench for like two and a half hours, somewhat dubiously. Yeah. And then just like woke up in the morning, got my bearings and... Brian came pick me up and we went fishing. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> at, at what point did you tell Brian how you'd spent the night? Um, I think he kind of like worked it out as we were texting the day before and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go catch a train and I'll see you there in the morning. And then when he picked me up, he was just like, what were you doing? Um, and I was like, oh, I just had like a little sleep on the bench <laughs> at the station. And he goes, I think he goes, okay. And I could sort of see his mind ticking over and going, okay, I think this guy's a little bit nuts. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bit more keen than our normal clientele that we get here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, in all fa- uh, almost that single day fishing with him was maybe the best day all trip. Um, Beating him. Yeah, like, would have never thought it. Um, as we were going out fishing, he was like, he's been a guide for 
donkey's years. Do you remember the old show? I think it's called like Guide Hall House Montauk. No. It's like no. an old American show and I was yeah. telling him about it at one point. I was like, oh, I remember like watching this as a kid and it was like the first time I ever heard about Montauk fishing. I was like, mm. oh, yeah, I was actually on that show. And I was like, cool, like it's sort of come full circle wow. at that time. Yeah. Um, but he was talking up the fishing as we were going out and I'm thinking, this is the dumbest idea ever. What kind of guide talks up the chance of catching fish? Yeah, that yeah, they normally play it down, you know. 100%. Like, this is what we're hoping for. Yeah, he still had like that – like indication of like this is what we're still hoping to achieve but mm. we're still i'm like oh this is like some pretty high expectations like and i'm still tempering them from my years of trying to sell trips to people <laughs> but um we got out there and it didn't take long and we were just like catching huge big blue fish so like big tailor oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i think for well, in the space of a few hours i probably bought like 15 wow like 80 Odd centimetre tailor bluefish to hand, yep. mostly like sight fished or like fished out of a big school and just annihilating. They, they bust up, don't they? Like Aussie salmon kind of like that. But also, what we were doing was fishing like big pods of them that were sort of like laid up on the surface. Oh, wow. And you could throw like a big hookless popper into them yep. and get them a bit fired up. And you'd see them chase the popper and then sort of throw your fly in the right spot. Yeah. And then you'd pull the like hookless popper out, the teaser, and then you'd start stripping your fly and they just crush it. Cool. Like, yeah, I'll show you some videos after this. Amazing, yeah. mate. That's great. And it, it, just the bluefish that you encountered on that day? So we got to a point there where, I'm, I'm kidding you not, I was actually sore from catching fish, <laughs> which I've never experienced in my life. And he's like, well, you, you've clearly come all this way. Like, do you want to catch a striped bass? And I'm like, I'd love that. Like, that would be like an absolute topper. That's really what I wanted to catch. But I knew I wasn't here exactly for that timing. He goes, well, we've got a small window on the tides back in the harbour to go try catch one. I said, like, let's go. And he's sort of like half, not trying to talk me out of it, but to, but to be like, hey, we might not even see any. You might not be a chance. And you're going to, like, not be keep catching all these bluefish. I'm like, no, like, we've had a good I'm time. I'm satisfied, yeah. Totally satisfied. Yeah. Like, blown out my expectations. Mm. Let's go, give it a go. Within about 15 minutes of fishing, I'd already brought a striped bass to hand. Really? Yeah. Like, it was just, he had that, like, dialed, that good of a guide. Yeah. And ended up, I think, landing two more, like, one semi-nice one. Yeah. And, like, farmed a few others that I bust, like, just didn't get the hook stuck into enough or broke off. Yeah. So, if any of the listeners want to experience this, how would they find this guide? Yeah, Brian Gullard. Um, I think he sort of just operates a little bit quietly on himself, so okay. he's not a big social media guy. Which Let's not talk him up too much then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to keep a low profile, folks. Yeah, I, th- I think generally if you have if you can keep a low profile, it's because you're busy and because you're good. Yeah. If sure. you're marketing yourself a lot, you probably yeah. – not that I'm trying to have a slide at anyone here, but <laughs> – Every we guy. We haven't done every <laughs> guy in Victoria. We haven't done an Instagram post in weeks. <laughs> yeah. Anyway – um okay so montauk uh then back into new york city after that back in new york city for a day uh music festival did you know people there had a actually a mate that i the whose wedding i was at mm-hmm. um one of his now wife's friends lives in new york mm-hmm. and he said oh if you're doing this trip just come stay with me in brooklyn oh, and i don't amazing. know if you've ever been to new york but the cost of accommodation nah, no, no, not on a 20 year old's budget sexy, it's yeah. just so i yeah got to stay with him and Hang out there. But then, yeah, um, New York was just the best launching place over to the UK. So, yeah, the, the plan was and always had been to go and to go salmon fishing in Scotland. It had yep. been a dream of mine ever since I was a kid to go and at least see the rivers and if I was lucky to try catch a salmon. You would have been on a fair high at the end of your US tour. Well, oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> it was just – it was so good. Like, it had 
great weather, great fishing. Yeah. Like, and it was just a really good, fun culture experience. Yeah. And then to get to Scotland. And yeah. it's like we had really good warm weather at the beginning. But if you know salmon fishing, that's not what you want. <laughs> <laughs> that's good for the beach. Yeah. Not for salmon. Yeah. So um, fishing there, it, it, how did that um, pan out in your itinerary while you were there? So uh, again, through another mate, had this connection with a fella over there and he um, looked after us and got us on a few days on the River Spay. Yeah. Um, but again, it had been like drought conditions. So there was hardly any fish entering the river. We still had a great time. We, Between the three of us, polished off a bottle of whiskey one day on the banks of the Spay, drinking Spayside whiskey, which in itself is an experience that I wanted to have. If we <laughs> caught a salmon, that would have just been like cherry on the top. But to be able to do that, throwing 15-foot double-handed Spay rods um, was just so much fun. Maybe smoked a few cigars as well. <laughs> Good, mate. Um, so didn't catch anything on the, on the Spay? It didn't have as much as a grab. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's the way it goes. That's yeah. that's salmon fishing, and we, we kind of knew that going even the few days before we'd even started because going there's no forecast, there's no forecast for rain, there's nothing that's going to like really induce the salmon to come in. Yeah, um, so we I've, I've seen the here. photos of you wearing tweed and you know all the, the old <laughs> stuff. What uh, did did you have to hire all that clothing? <laughs> you actually own tweed? No, no, I, I genuinely went out and bought a jacket because <laughs> it, it serves a dual purpose. If you spring carnival coming up in Melbourne. Oh, yeah. What is on right now, so yeah. I might be able to wear that at Cup Day. I'll lend it to you if you want. Thanks, mate. That'd be yeah. great. Actually. <laughs> but when you get to my age, you try to look younger, not old. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll lend it to Peter then. <laughs> yeah. He is definitely trying to look older. <laughs> he has a particular affinity for the older women. <laughs> <laughs> is that why he's got the mustache? <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, yeah. It, it is still October. You haven't told him about November yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. <laughs> uh, you call it maturity, but <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we digress. Um, so sorry. After that, where were you? Where did uh, you get to? So after that, the plan was always to then go to Ireland. Um, the best mate I was travelling with is Irish, but grew up in Australia. Um, so we did the whole family trip, but it always intended to do a few days fishing. So. Um, we did a few really beautiful days fishing on the River Erif. Yeah. Um, it's like you're in a sto- storybook, but despite having some decent conditions, we I think got one grab from a fish from the group of us, and it was just really tough. But we then got on to the, uh, the River Moy and ended up hooking – I hooked two fish the day we fished there, lost both of them. Like one on my third cast of the day, like just crushed it on the strip and then just took off screaming cartling wheeling jumps down river going oh this is amazing fought it all the way back in thought it was just about to get netted and then just come out and i'm like oh this is just brutal yeah but you could see the fish all day like they were just rolling jumping good salmon dude teasing you you knew they were at least there yeah and then was fishing right at the end of the day through this like little like buckety run that dropped off of a little riffle into a little like hole bucket swinging and just getting that nice swing and then I'm like I'm just thinking in my head okay this is going to get a grab in the next cast this is definitely going to grab third cast through and it just went came tight I'm like yep that's a fish real turned fish came up on the surface I'm like sweet that's it set it few little peels of line off the reel just came unbuttoned again and I'm like oh like just as this is how close yeah I got to a salmon and um, wow. missed out but was lucky enough another mate through a friend in Canada Stephen another legend 
like that's the thing. I think the common theme you're probably hearing here is like fly fishing is all about like mates and connections and yeah, someone knows someone who can help you somewhere else. Yeah. So he took me for a whole day fishing on the um, Mourn system um, in northeastern, no northwestern Ireland. Yeah. So we fished a whole day there. Um, he ended up getting one right at the beginning of the day and then lost another fish. But at least I got like hold and see a salmon. It was amazing. Had a few other little like grabs yeah. on one of these like spate rivers that rely so much on rain to get the fish to run up. Um, and we had timed that so well. So like between the two of us, we probably touched four fish, got one to hand. Which is good numbers. Which, yeah, which I think. Salmon. Yeah. And mm. in a lot of Scotland and Ireland, it was at that point had been like record low years all time in terms yeah. of like fish returns because – you know, salmon fishing, it's all in a, in a lot of cases in a beat system. So they've been counting how many fish anglers have been catching for a year, for what, 50, 60, 100 yeah. odd years. Oh, the data would be incredible. So that they know roughly what the sort of return and catch rates are. And at that point, it had been so incredibly low across the continent. Yeah. Well, not the continent, but across the UK and Ireland that mm. they sort of knew this isn't, this isn't good. So if I'd ever picked a year to go salmon fishing, it was not, it was the worst one. And a fair bit, of, was there a lot of talk while you were there as to the state of the salmon fishery? Yeah, there's all that. You go into a, the Gillies Bar and different places on the River Spain, you're hearing about how, yeah, there's no one catching any salmon. Everyone's calling each other, oh, if you got one, and if someone had hooked one or caught one, it was all excitement. And yeah, it was just, yeah, I think there's a lot of concern there about that fishery, but I don't know enough about it to make any make, comment. Yeah, really. any scientific comment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, geez, it'd be a shame to lose it though. Is it the kind of place that you would travel back to just to experience that fly fishing culture there? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I think it was so much. But like even just the culture in general, like the pub culture in Scotland and Ireland and England is just like a whole thing in itself. Like even in Ireland, we we made a big habit of drinking Guinness basically wherever we went Mm. and just meet people in the pub and have a good time. And like I'm sure if I stayed there long enough, I'd meet someone at the pub that – had fishing access that you could have gone fishing for for free. Yeah. So that it's sort of that, like if you go there and you could eventually find that and sort of going with that open plan to be able to go, okay, the weather's good to go here this time because that, that section of the country's had rain um, enabled you to sort of do a little bit of that. It, found, it sounds to me like the, the only thing that matches your passion for fly fishing is your passion for pubs. <laughs> 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 is that a fair comment, would you say? It's probably just more of a passion for a cold beer, so <laughs> more than anything, Andrew. Or a bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, yeah, just a dark spirit. So we, we, we drank our boots full of scotch. Great, mate. That, what a trip. Jeez. And, I, yeah, I love how, uh, how well you utilise the connections that you've got to structure the, the ultimate, you know, fly fishing near Gap Year. How long were you away? Uh, my boss was a yeah, real good fella yeah. um, and gave me an additional uh, month. So I was away for seven. Wow. Um, not all of it was fishing through Europe. Um, yeah. Managed to get a week in fishing in the Pyrenees in Spain. Um, and I think a fair few you've, – you've been before, haven't you? I haven't been to the Pyrenees. No, haven't fished that. Been in Spain? Been to Spain. Spain. Yeah. Yeah. You, in southern France, yeah. You know what it's like. Like it's just like a – Incredible. Bureaucratic nightmare too to work out your fishing. You can't even buy a fishing licence unless you have a Spanish bank card. (laughs) 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 We couldn't – my mate and I were trying to buy a licence, couldn't do it. His girlfriend who has a Spanish bank account – just we just used her card and we managed to buy a fishing (laughs) licence. It's like to try to understand where you can fish 
is like certain like a river might have three sections on it yeah there's a section that you can fish without booking a section you can fish by booking and then there's a section that you can't fish at all yeah so you have to be like super aware of like where you are in the relation to the river but yeah it's so beautiful through yeah. there no that's interesting because i think it was eight years ago when i was there and googling trying to find out what to do and how to do it and yeah i didn't find anything it was all just too hard and it you know, wasn't supposed to be a fishing trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it, it was at the end of your trip, mate. Island was the last bit. Oh, it, yeah, like the yeah. The, in terms of the fishing com- component, yeah. yeah, island and the bit in Spain was sort of the end of that. There was so much more fishing I saw. Like I was in Italy. At that point, actually, had left my rods at a friend's place and was like walking through a town in Tuscany and could just see the trout in the river and just just going. Well, why did I not bring my rod? Yeah, yeah. like you're just so many fish and some like not huge but like nice enough trout yeah you'd be like yeah i could have a crack at that but they were super spooky like Uh, yeah super super spooky okay yeah so i I may have not even been good enough to catch one isn't it funny how any puddle we can't help ourselves but we have to look in it (laughs) we're a weird bunch of people aren't we us fly fishers you know 100 (laughs) yeah like going through europe and you just put the snorkel on you're like i wonder what's around here (laughs) Yeah. Um, what about you, mate? What uh, what sort of trips have you got coming up? Uh, well, for me, probably just going to be a lot of fishing the northeast this summer, um, but would love to go fit a few more cod fishing trips in up in New South Wales, potentially, and then the northeast of Vic as well. So yeah, get stuck you, into that. You don't have to go far to get some good cod fishing from Beechworth. No, not far at all, like mm. 15, 20 minutes, and you, you're there and can get stuck into it. But, yeah, again, too, like want to go back home to Queensland and – get out in the boat and really this summer would like to try get a dolphin fish on fly. Haven't done that yet. Yeah. Caught a few on gear, but yeah, go try sight fish one off a fad with a popper fly and a real good size bull would be yeah, a good bit of fun. They're amazing fish, aren't they? The oh, colours. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and they, they, they crush a fly. Yeah. Like I've seen all the videos through Mexico and mm. of them just coming out of the water to eat it. And I've seen them eat lures like in that same fashion. So do it on a fly rod will be really good. Shit, yeah. Sounds fun, mate. Peter, anything dad? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking you were still there. Yeah, yeah I'm um, still here. You want to ask about the best nightclubs in Europe best after night this? Clubs. Or? I think we might discuss this over dinner. Yeah. <laughs> can, can probably give it's you fishing tips. Listens, fishing tips. Yeah. Fishing tips in night Fishing in nightclubs? Harrison, mate, um, you know, you are, I guess, a pretty special bloke that we have come across here at the Fly Fisher over the years. You know, we've, um, I I still remember when you were uh, still at school, you know, coming into the Fly Fisher with your folks, and um, you were always so much fun to uh, serve and talk to and, and just to see the uh, the kind of fly fisher that you've grown into, and the kind of bloke you are, and how social you are, it's um, you're one hell of a fellow, mate. And I could not think of anyone better to uh, put into our on the stream series and as the opener. And and I really appreciate you sitting down with us, mate. Thank you. No, thanks, Andrew. Really appreciate the kind words. And yeah, it's always been great coming to the shop ever since I was a kid. I, I still remember it. I think you're probably almost my age. I am now when I first met you. It would be about that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Do I look the same? Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a few more greys. <laughs> a few more nose hairs. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, folks. Stay tuned for the next episode.